All right. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Marathon Author. I'm James S. Aaron, and this is my weekly podcast and author diary where I share lessons I've learned and mistakes I've made so that hopefully things will be a little easier for you. Um, it's been it's been another speedy week that has flown by. I feel like I just did last week's episode, and that was the end of January, and now we're already into February, and it's February 3rd as I'm recording this, and the show should appear on February 4th. It's a short month, which means any word count goals that I had or you had need to be adjusted uh, if you were using a 31-day calendar for that sort of thing. And it just means that 2021 is already well underway. <laughs> um, the good news is that I've you know finished the book last month. I think I've already talked about that. I published my book, A Fire Upon the Worlds, with Mal Cooper. And it's already doing well, getting good reviews from the fans, which is really who that book is meant to please as we continue that series. So one of the things that you'll learn as you move longer in a series is that your reviews get better. (laughs) It's kind of another reason to write in series. Like the series itself has a way of narrowing down the fans that love the characters, love you, want you to continue writing. Like as long as the sales continue to be there, the reviews will get better and better. It'll always be, you know, the worst reviews will be on the first book because people are never quite aligned or, you know, when people move on to book two, they're kind of choosing to do that. And so they, they like it. They want to be there. They're only going to be giving you bad reviews if you disappoint them in some way. So that's always something to look for. So anyway, a fire upon the world is, is doing good. You know, the launch was what we would have expected. I think it got to 6,000 in the store, which, you know, Galactic Law got up to 200. That was that was a special kind of series. You know, Renegade Star with Jeff Cheney is just on fire and is a different series than Aeon 14 that Mal is working on. Aeon 14 has over 100 books in it at this point. So you have some fans that are jumping into everything immediately right as it's written. And then you always have new fans coming in who are picking up the work, you know. And so you've got more of a steady burn with that one, whereas Galactic Law hit a lot higher and had really strong sales for, you know, most of 2020, but then it also had a pretty sharp decline, you know. So even though that book is tied into Renegade Star, which is uh, Jeff's kind of signature series, it's, it's not as integral to the story as my stuff with Mal is. So they're... The readers really have to seek it out if they're looking for it. But yeah, so it's, it's hard to compare those two things. But I think for an Aeon 14 book and within our series, you know, what we're doing, it's it's done very well. I'm really pleased with it. The main thing was that that book just took me a long time to write and to feel like I was getting getting how I wanted it to be. And so for people to be satisfied with it, that's pretty much all I could ask for. So, you know, last week was a lot of watching that. <laughs> Not stressing about it as much as I have in the past, but I was looking at it every now and then. I don't look at the book page itself. I tend to go to the review section of authorcentral.amazon.com uh, and it takes a day for reviews to filter into that site, but I look at that because it, it's a little less, you know, A, I'm not hitting the book page and not making a sale, which, you know, people debate whether that's good or bad for the algorithm. I, I think that, you know, you don't want to hit your page and not have it convert regardless of who's doing it. If Amazon knows that it's the same IP address, looking at that book page again and again, but there's also a bit of, I don't know, I like to give it some kind of just space, you know, and, and going to 
to Author Central just does that for me. So the other thing was a lot of folks picked up the workbook and I really appreciate that. Um, I've already made a few tweaks to it. And as I've worked through it for this first, or actually the second Vagabond Space book that I'm working on right now, I already know some things I want to change. So that book is never going to be a big seller and that's not what it was meant to be. I think when it comes down to it, I make about 20 cents per book (laughs) on that. (laughs) The goal was to make something useful that I will actually use. So, so I'm, I'm very satisfied with that. No, the real win in the last week has just been live streaming. So I have a goal of writing a million words this year. And that's what I want to talk about in this podcast is why I chose to do that and how I plan to do it. But a big part of that is live streaming, basically getting up every day, getting online and writing. And really, whether people are watching or not, it's not the most important thing about doing it because it, it it's like anything. It comes and it goes with the number of viewers that you have, depending on the day and, and whatever. But I want to be consistent. It gives me something to get up and do. Like every day I get up at 4.30 and and I write and I, I go live. It creates a sense of urgency and insistence about getting out here so that by 5 a.m. I'm hitting that button to stream and whether there's anybody there or not, you know, I'm, I'm on the West coast. So all of my East coast friends, like it's a little easier for them, I think, to see it on Facebook and click over. <laughs> it's pretty early for, for anybody on the West coast, but it also creates, like, I've really just discovered that when I get up and do this, my word counts are, are good. They're at least 2000 words so far. Like today I actually have some words I need to pick up because I only got 2000 words done this morning. And part of that was because I didn't quite know what I wanted to write. I think once I got into the scene, like I had known what needed to happen mechanically, but I wasn't quite sure what the characters needed. I had a character that I wasn't quite sure what I wanted them to say. And that slowed me down. So a big part of this morning was just getting through that. And now I'm going to do some more writing this afternoon and I'll, I'll get that knocked out to get to 4,000 words. Now, you might be listening to this and thinking, wait a second, you don't have to do 4,000 words a day to write a million words a year. You actually only have to write uh, 2,740 words a day to get to a million words a year. Yes, that's true. Um, I have some aggressive goals to finish out a series, um, the Vagabond Space series that I'm working on, because I want to have a good amount of time to edit the the books I need to finish for that. So that's why I'm doing that. And and I can do it. That's the thing. Like I have the time to do it. I want to be aggressive about that and really put some pressure on myself to make it happen. It's not a huge amount of stress. It's just focus because there's so many other things in my life that are kind of pulling at my attention right now that having that daily goal gives me some focus to kind of hone my attention. But, but yeah, so as of this week, I mean, I'm on my, my third day now, but I wrote over 4,000 words on Monday. I did like 4,400 on Tuesday. Today, I'll probably come in at 4,000. But if I can maintain that, that is all I could ask for. Like I said, today was already a little bit harder than some of those previous days. So you, when you start out with something, it's always kind of like the energy is really high. It's good. It's fun. And then you get into the the, str- the stretch of it, right? <laughs> you settle into the run and you got to just start getting into it. So that's where I am now. The good news is that it's been easy I want to say easier to get up, but you know, 10 PM rolls around, it's time to go to bed. And then I get up at four 30 and do the things I need to do to, to get outside and write. So that's been a huge win. The thing that has been a little worrisome this week actually has been, I got one of my royalty statements and it was half of what I expected. And that was a bit of a, a sobering moment. Um, I'm still waiting on some more money to come in, but as I'm 
you know, working through taxes for last year and getting all that stuff sorted out with the transition from the day job into self-employment. And then now even picking up, you know, a very on-call part-time job with FedEx. I, I don't want to worry about money all the time, but I worry about money all the time. <laughs> it's something I really can't help. So what makes me feel comfortable is I've got a spreadsheet that actually looks out to 2023 where I can forecast what my income is going to be and then get an idea of where the family will be at that point. And, and I can also, I can also add things in depending on what kind of goals we have. So, you know, we're even talking about daycare. Like if my wife is going to potentially go back to work, then that means my daughter probably needs to get into daycare and just for her like well being. you know, she needs to be around other kids. As COVID starts to settle down, hopefully knock on wood, that also becomes another possibility. So adding that into the budget, like looking at just like what, how much money do I need to make to make these things happen? I plan all of that using this, this spreadsheet that I have. And basically what I do is I, you know, it's got savings. It's got the way I forecast the royalties is whatever the current lowest month is, that's what I project out. And then that way, if I make more money, that's awesome. But that's the low point that I plan against. So <laughs> I didn't expect this certain revenue stream to drop as much as it did. So that kind of like, like, Ooh, we're, we could, if this, if this scenario continues to play out, if this timeline continues to be, you know, primary in the story, then we're out of savings by the end of the year. And that's the other thing, because with an inconsistent income, like savings becomes that buffer point where I don't want the savings to drop, or if it's on a downward trend, then at what point will we start replenishing that savings so that we're always, we've always got a good buffer to, you know, for us to be okay. Like I can continue being self-employed as long as we, we have this much money in the bank. And that's not, that's also not planning. Well, I guess it is planning around like major bills that might come up. Like, I think I talked about the fact that we had major vet bills in December and Jan and, and January spent like $3,000 on pets. And that wasn't something that I had really expected. <laughs> and so you know, the, that kind of stuff hits you and you just got to plan around it. But that's what that savings buffer allows us to do. And if it looks like we're, we're trending on a long term for the money to keep going down, that stresses me out a little bit. Now, I try not to spend too much time living in a future that is not here yet and may not come. But it's just one of the big differences between being self-employed and having a job where I knew how much money was coming in every month. Because then it was really easy. In fact, it was really easy to, com to get complacent about things and to buy stuff on credit because you know that, well, I'm going to be making this much money for the you know, foreseeable future. I can take on these payments and it'll be fine. Well, that's not really how we're living right now, you know, which I prefer to live this way. I just want, I just want there to be more steady income. So, so yeah, um, you know, I had talked about kind of resilience in your, uh, financial planning. And that's part of why the, the whole part-time job with FedEx, like there is the possibility that could, could be, could become part-time, like a real part-time job, the way they classify things like the position I'm in now, there's no possibility of health insurance. It is, it would be possible if I went part-time to do health insurance, but I just have less control over my schedule and then come, you know, next like fall time frame. If I wanted to go full-time, that becomes an opportunity. So so I don't know. There's a lot of decisions to be made there. And I want to really keep in mind that I'm a writer. This is being a writer is my primary source of income. It's my primary focus. I, I don't want to 
unless I absolutely have to, um, turn to something else and end up back where I was, you know, a year and a half ago. So that's kind of where that's, that's been weighing on my mind, but also not, not a huge amount. So I've really, I'm just so excited about the word counts that I'm getting that that's what I want to continue. And I, I would recommend like whatever you need to do to create space for yourself to have a daily win like that. It makes the rest of the day awesome. (laughs) And for a good portion of my life, I've hated to get up early, you know, in the army, getting up early was just a part of life, but I also sort of was not an adult about it. Like I would blame the army because I had to get up every day at five 30 or, you know, even earlier four 30 to be in formation at five for PT and whatnot. Well, I wasn't self-actualized with that. You know, it's, it's a different thing. I think to have your own goals and your own processes that you put together to get to a thing you want to accomplish and everything tries to push against it. You know, the, the baby wakes up all night. You want to watch a TV show and finish it. Then it's going to, it's going to run past 10 PM. No, I, I need to go to bed at this time because I want to get up and do these things. And that's kind of empowering. I don't know. I, I'm enjoying it, but it kind of creates some shape to, I think when you're self-employed, it's pretty easy not to have that shape in your life if you don't have some other thing like the job or whatever. But it's also not, you can't blame the job if you're getting up early. It's it's on you because this is what you wanted to do. So uh, to me, that's that's a good thing. But I've also tried to be really upfront about the fact that it can be difficult to self-motivate yourself to do that. And I'm not going to pretend that it hasn't been a year-long journey to get here where one of the first things that was great, I thought, about being self-employed was, oh, I can sleep in with my family, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it is, but you can't do that all the time. <laughs> so a couple of other things that are good about live streaming is I think it puts your process out in the open, and people see you doing it every day on social media, and I'm, I'm not good at social media, so I think having that there, I've just already started to recognize that people are checking in that hadn't normally before. And part of that was probably because I didn't give people something to check in with me. When I'm just randomly sort of throwing things up on social media, it doesn't say anything about me or my story or what I'm working on. So that this creates that it creates some energy, I think, on social media that I didn't have before. And um, I don't know how many folks are friends or follow Brandon Ellis, who's a science fiction thriller writer who I think is much better at Facebook than I am, but he's really good at sharing what he's working on and then giving people an opportunity to kind of comment on it. So he asks a lot of questions on his Facebook page, uh, author profile. He will share things that he's working on and ask for input and people interact with him. And then he goes back and responds to them as, as well. So it creates that conversation back and forth which I think gets to the the social aspect of the media. I, I tend to view Facebook as kind of like a blog, a thing where I put content on there, and then if people choose to look at it or not, that's no problem by me. But it's I think for it to be more effective, it, you really, whatever way you can create that conversation. And so by putting myself out there with these live streams, and if you were doing the same kind of thing, like documenting a project, you're giving people an opportunity to be invested in you and that I think helps get to that like, know, and trust that I was talking about before that, oh yeah, it's the, 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 the guy that does the live streams. And this is a thing where I I also owe Jeff Haskell for this idea because he wasn't, has not been afraid to put himself out doing these live streams. 
and allowing people to see as he writes. And I've been doing the same thing. And I, I think I'm fortunate that I'm not hugely precious about what I'm writing because I know I'm going to go back and change it. Or maybe I won't. I don't know. But I know other writers that the idea of doing that would probably make them want to go hide in the closet. Like the idea that people would be watching them as they write. And I honestly don't think about it that much. <laughs> maybe that's like a, you know, a secret power I have that helps me, but I just don't, I don't think about it. I think maybe if I had people that were reading, like were really into the story and reading to find out what was going to happen, that might, I might have to put some disclaimers there about whatever you see here could change. Uh, because that's entirely possible, <laughs> but, but for now, that's something that is, is working very well. I will say that it's, it's still entirely possible to zone out and, and like surf the internet while you're live casting and you got to remind yourself not to do that because if somebody isn't watching, it doesn't mean someone won't come back and watch later. Like I've discovered that my views have gone up actually after I did the live stream. So who knows how long those folks are watching? Like I, I haven't dug super deep into the YouTube like analytics that they give you. I don't really care about that. That's not why I'm doing this, but it is interesting to see how your views go up or down or why certain days you have more views than others. I, you know, I don't know. I have noticed with other live streams of writers that it can be very soothing to log in and hear the keyboard clicking. So I could see maybe people just having that in the background as background noise for whatever, or maybe just like this podcast, they could use it to fall asleep at night. <laughs> I have learned some things about how to interact with folks better on live streams. Like I had been doing more like responding in the chat and I think it's actually better like to, and I've noticed other live streamers do the same thing. They, they tend to answer people on the stream and I could see that being a really a good way to keep yourself focused and not switch off to other things. Like you see something in the live chat, finish your thought with whatever you're writing and then go ahead and respond to people. And it's like, it's a little thrill when you see, when somebody says your name in a, you know, on a, on media like that, that's cool. So I think that is something I'm going to try and do more of. And, you know, speaking of Jeff Haskell, he just finished his 24 hour live stream event. He called it you know, Jeff Haskell's crash and burn where he was going to write his, um, a new Wraith novel online. And I'm not going to get super deep into it. I, I would definitely recommend that everybody go take a look at the live stream and you'll see the fact that Jeff, he, he wrote for 24 hours. Like I'm sure he maybe wanted different things about, about the project, but the fact is that he wrote for 24 hours and that's amazing. And there was also something a little comforting about hearing, like, fortunately he, I don't think he purposely did it, but his keyboard on his surface had a really nice clickety clack, like a mechanical keyboard. And so it was cool to hear that. Like every time I would go back and check in, I would hear that keyboard clicking, knowing that Jeff was working and that was cool. There was some energy there. So he says he's going to do it again and hopefully he'll just generate more and more momentum as he, as he does it each time, because it, it was cool. And one of the, the things he said, the reason that he did it is he had looked into different YouTube events and like what makes things go viral. And the idea is that an act of will that is recorded, people are interested in that and attracted to that. They want to see it and see how it was done and check in on it. And he followed another YouTuber who apparently like counted to a hundred thousand on YouTube or, you know, does things like that. 
I've watched a different YouTuber who will just try and learn something like how to juggle or how to stand on his head. And he will just show every single attempt as he tries to do it. And, and that's fascinating. It's really cool to watch somebody go through all of the, the difficult steps it takes. Like they don't necessarily show every single second of it, but they do show the reality of how long it takes to, to do something. And that's, I think that is very compelling. So Maybe with what, I, with what I'm doing, like I can't do a 24-hour event right now, maybe at some point in the future, but showing up every day, doing the work, it kind of feels like I'm, again, giving shape to what I'm working on, and I'd recommend it. I think that it's really been a big change for me as far as getting the word counts done, which was something I was just missing from last year. So yeah, consistency is key. And that is my one of my goals for 2021. <laughs> consistency. Okay, so I wanted to talk about big goals. And I think there are different ideas of big goals. Some people might talk about goals like huge life goals, like I want to go to, you know, I want to travel Japan, or I want to travel across China or do it, whatever a whole Pacific Rim trip, I want to go see Australia, I've never been there before. I want to run a marathon. I want like, these are like, I think there's levels of goals that are these like really pie in the sky, awesome things, bucket list things. And then there are big goals that support some other thing you're working on. Like for me, the big goal of a million words a year is a goal that will create the possibility of doing those other things. Right. Because the, the overall thing I wanted to do with writing full-time was basically have the freedom to do whatever we want. But I'm, discover, I'm just learning along the way that at least with what I'm writing right now and the amount of money that the things make and stuff like that, like it's just a lot of work. <laughs> and it's not less work. You know, it's, it's, it's a different kind of work than what I was doing before. It's less stressful in certain ways. Like nobody is going to die or call me up and yell at me for certain things. <laughs> um, because of my writing, at least they haven't yet. But there's the stress of just not getting the work done or not creating what I thought I was going to, I was going to do, right? So where I am right now, when I think about big goals are goals that will support those other big goals in time. Because I, I do kind of, like, it's fun to make a list of a bucket list of things, but I also don't like to make those goals if I don't think I'll be able to accomplish them. That frustrates me. And I'm at a point in my life where I'm 45 years old and I've had a lot of ideas. Like, you know, I lived in Germany for five years in the army and I always wanted to go back to Germany. Like I would love to take a bicycle trip along, like follow the Main River from Frankfurt down into like Southern Germany. I would love to do that. But I also don't know how I would make that happen right now. Like sure, I could run up a credit card or something and take my family over there, but I'm not going to do that. I would rather create the conditions to make make that possible. So what, what kind of goals can I have to help me get there? And that's where like write a million words in a year, a million words of fiction, (laughs) a million directed words. So that breaks down into, you know, about 10 novels, 10, if not more novels that are actually, I have a plan around how those would be sellable, like how those are connected to other things that I've already potentially sold. So while I have a big goal, it's, it's not just a goal that is completely unrelated to everything else. And for me, that's like, I feel better about that kind of goal. That feels to me like it's attainable, but it's also useful. I don't know how else to put it. And that's, that's what motivates me. 
I like to make things and all the little steps that go into getting to a big goal is something that I get a lot of satisfaction out of. You know, when I started the distillery, I had the goal or the image in my mind of seeing the product on a shelf in a liquor store. And that was the thing that all the other steps along the way that led to that were all problems that had to be solved, you know, from getting the license to the loans to building the stills to coming up with a process, doing the marketing, the label approval, all those things to get to that step. That was the big audacious goal that I could do something that was highly regulated and then be able to sell it in a, in a retail setting. The fact that it didn't work out in the end, you know, sucks, but the fact that I got there, that was the goal. And so I think a lot of times when people talk about big goals, they, they're not tied to a process, but for me, the getting there is as much a part of that big goal as the goal itself. Like skydiving is something I've always wanted to do. It's a goal, but when I did go skydiving, like there was not, there was no process to get there. So it wasn't quite as satisfying in the end. Like it was still awesome. I still enjoyed it, but it was not the same as starting a distillery or writing a book and seeing it in print or even getting to, you know, 40 episodes of this podcast, that, that kind of thing. That's, and so the million words for me, that's why that kind of goal is so important to me. And it's the kind of goal that I really enjoy that supports other things in your life. In the army, we always had this thing we, we called big, hairy, audacious goals. And there's, there's a book actually, um, <laughs> that's called big, hairy, audacious goals, but it was that I want to accomplish this thing. And this is maybe why I've been programmed to do this. Like we didn't do things in the army that were frivolous. We would do things that were tied to the mission. And that might be what I'm trying to get at that raising the whole unit's PT score or, you know, raising our maintenance scores or basically having some metric we would try to reach and then to get there it would take all these multiple steps along the way to get there but that big goal was the one that drove all the other steps to to get to that that final end point and that was always really satisfying i think these kind of big goals that have multiple steps tend to inspire people more because it's not simply a personal event type of goal. Like I I think it probably is something that you could compare this to would be like, I want to hike the Pacific crest trail from British Columbia to Mexico. Like, yes, you could completely do that on your own, or you could bring people in to help you. And you could share that event with people by taking pictures and doing video. And while you train, you could bring people along with you or let people know what you're doing. And then everybody gets excited about what you what you're doing and they can kind of live vicariously through you and that might not even be the best example because you're not you're not creating something at the end of it unless maybe you were doing a documentary or something like that like that would be cool but for me the million words is a way to get to the number of books and the writing process and the shape of being self-employed that I want to get to and I, I can also kind of share that goal with other people my family is behind me on it. Like it, it kind of creates something for everybody to, to get excited about. 
like Jeff's writing for 24 hours, it's something that people got excited about. It, it inspires people. They check in and people were like writing along with him during while he was doing it. And that's the kind of goal that I get really excited about as well. Like I don't necessarily need to copy his goal, but I can do things that align with it. And we kind of share that energy throughout the whole community, right? So I think that for me, having a big goal that gives you a purpose, and I'm not going to say that skydiving doesn't give you a purpose, but something like a marathon, I think, you know, if you want to run or you want to do some other, you know, physical feat or save a certain amount of money or whatever, like having that purpose gives a shape to everything else you do. And that can be incredibly valuable. Like once you, you pin that, that stake in the ground, this is what I'm going to do. Well, now I have to do all these other things to get there, you know, and if I don't do those things one day or I slip, it's not the end of the world. It just needs, means I need to start over again and continue toward the goal. (laughs) But having that sense of purpose, having that shape to your life, you know, I used to think when I was running a lot, it actually helped me not drink as much beer and eat better because if I, I could tell if I drank, you know, a six pack the night before I was not going to run as fast or as far as I knew I could, because I was kind of abusing my body a little bit, but I was letting that slip. And actually I never really had a goal around running. The, the longest I've ever run was a half marathon. And maybe if I had been more goal oriented about my running, I wouldn't have let it go as much as I have. And then I wouldn't be as concerned about my, <laughs> my weight as I am now. But, but again, I think that's where I think those big goals, those audacious goals that inspire people can be, can be so valuable for just really focusing the rest of other parts of your life. And then another concept I wanted to share around big goals is something we also used to talk about in the army, the big rocks and little rocks. And the way, you know, I had a battalion commander that explained this and he would start out with, you know, what are your, what are your big goals for this year? Like what are the things you want to accomplish? You get three of those. Those are your big rocks. And if you have a jar because, you know, we only have so much time and resources. So you've only, you've got a jar that will only hold three rocks, the big rocks. You can dump those in there. The jar will be full. But if you also have all these other little things that come up every single day, and those represent the little rocks or the sand, if you allow those to fill up the jar before you put the big rocks in, even though they don't fill up the jar, you're not going to get the big rocks into the jar. (laughs) And so, you know, duh, like a lot of army euphemisms, you know, it's pretty dumb when you think about it, but it also is just a good example of focus on what's important to you, give it priority and don't let the other things slide in because they will take the rest of your attention if you don't fight for that time every single day. And that's the other thing I think about word counts and breaking a big goal down into these small steps, you know, even taking a million word count goal if you were to break that down into 365 days and you let one day slip, it seems like you've got a lot of time to catch back up, right? But like I was talking about last month, it's cumulative and you'll find yourself at the end of the month that you're not going to catch up. (laughs) So breaking that down into months and then even weeks, and then that way, you know, every single day, like I've got to make this happen or I'm not going to get there. And then even over forecasting. So if I write 4,000 words, which is even more than I kind of need to make my goal of getting the, the 210,000 words done by March 30th. As long as I make that goal every day, I will be all right. 
as long as I do the planning to know what I want to write, I will, I will get it done. But every day it reminds me what I need to do, like each step along the way to get there to the big goal at the end. So think about like, what are, what are the little rocks in your life? And little rocks are perfectly valid. You know, my little rock is a toddler that when she wants something, she's going to get it and she supersedes everything else. So it's on me to figure out how to create time so that I can get the work done that I want to get done. And, and yeah, if, if I had to go to work or something, then things would be different for her, but this is the life that I want to have. I need to figure out how to be at home and be there for her and my family while I'm also accomplishing the other goals that I have. So thinking about what those big rocks are, you know, right now it's the million words, the million words really enable the number of books that I want to write and making that happen every day. So, so those are the things that have been on my mind between big goals, big goals that inspire people, big goals that put a stake in the ground and kind of help people know who you are, that tell a story about you and what you're going through. I think it's important to think about those things uh, for a creative career. You know, and I'm talking, you might be listening to me right now thinking I'm crazy. You're talking about a million words. You're talking about 10 books in a year. That's crazy talk. I have not even written one book. How could I think about writing that many? Well, it's like a muscle. And once you start, like, let's start with one book. And let's start with, if that's going to be 80,000 words, depending on the, the genre you want to go into, well, how many words do you need to write a day? And well, I can't write every day because I have a family. Cool. Do you have, you know, can you write on your lunch break? Can you, do you have every Friday that you could write or Sunday mornings or, you know, what can we do to put a pin in the ground where you're going to get, the pin in the ground does not make any sense, a pin on the board <laughs> where this is when you are going to sit down and do that work and, and you'll get there. And once you do it once and then you can do it twice and three times and four times, it just gets easier as it goes along. Like for me, breaking a big goal down into small pieces is what is what helps me see that it's attainable. When you just say something that feels crazy, uh, it's breaking it down into pieces. It's putting it on a timeline. It's coming up with a budget. Those are the things that help me see that, oh yeah, this is actually, I can do this. I just got to start now and I got to do these things every day to make it happen. And when I mention things like my budget that where I track out you know, the next three years to see how much money I have to accomplish these goals that I'm trying to, to make happen. That's all part of that really looking at all the pieces of this problem. I have learned in my life that like hiding from things or having magical thinking about things that, oh yeah, it's, it's just going to happen. Like I'm going to be able to get that done in the last three weeks. That does not work for me. <laughs> I also, I like to know how much things are going to cost because when I know that, then I'm just more comfortable. I can calm down and focus on other stuff that takes my mental energy. So it's all part of that. What is the big goal? What is the plan to get there? How are we going to do it? And especially in relationships in my life, I've learned that when I can share that information, I can show it to someone like, here's where I'm trying to get to. Here's how I'm going to do it. And it makes sense. You know, typically your spouse isn't going to get frustrated with you if they can see that this is what I want to do and this is how I'm going to do it. It's not just that you're angry at each other because you didn't accomplish what you wanted to get done, but you didn't have a plan and you didn't communicate it. And it starts with communicating it to yourself, right? <laughs> so so that's where that, that budget 
helps me out. And I realized I kind of started this podcast by expressing how I was freaked out. I shouldn't say freaked out. I was concerned and thinking about the budget, (laughs) but the budget is a big part of how I make these goals happen. Because if I have to devote time to finding money from other sources, that means I got to readjust other things like when I write or, you know, stuff like that. So, so it's all stuff. It's all the way that I think about in approaching these goals. I would challenge you to think about what are the big rocks in your life. And those are going to change from year to year. Like what are the, like how big is your jar and you know, how much time and resources do you have? Like maybe three rocks is too much. You can get two rocks or one rock. Maybe that one rock, like this isn't year for that rock, (laughs) but we need some medium rocks. But again, also then what are the small things that tend to get in the way? And then maybe, maybe those can be mitigated in certain ways. Like that's the places where you can ask for help or that's the places where you can see like I'm spending time and energy on something that is not supporting my other goals. It's time to let that go. And now I've created more space for the big goals that I want to work on. And then last, tell somebody about it, you know, share it, share it with your author community, share it with your peers, your writing uh, accountability partners. If you don't tell people what your goals are, they can't support you. And I think there is something to be said for when you share that goal out in the real world, it becomes possible. It's not possible when it stays inside your head. Well, of course it's possible, but it's much less likely that it will happen. If you tell people what you're going to do, people get excited. They want to support you. They want to know what your plan is because you're sharing a story, right? You're creating a story. You're creating drama. You're creating tension around this thing that you want to do, struggle, uh, we don't want to do too many try-fail cycles, right, with our major goals, but but that's what you're doing. And you're giving people something to get excited about because they like you and they want to support you. And when I say that, your first response inside your brain might be, no, they don't like me and they don't like my work. No, they do like your work. <laughs> and, you know, other writers don't really read each other's work. That's not, that doesn't matter. We like other people that are in the struggle. We like other artists that are in the struggle that are trying to create something in a world that is, you know, everyone's first impulse out in the world is to crap on somebody that's trying to create things. If you're not an artist, well, you know, you got to be the gladiator. You got to get in the ring. If somebody wants to criticize you, well, that's because they're too afraid to get in the ring. And at least you were willing to do that, to put something out in the world and risk someone telling you that they don't like it or to attempt and to try. And we live in a world where many people don't even want to try. So definitely give yourself a pat on the back if you tried. (laughs) And that's another thing where breaking it down into small steps gives you many, many opportunities to start over again. So maybe you didn't get where you wanted to be today or this week, but next week is a new opportunity, right? So we have lots of new opportunities to learn and uh, just keep on driving on. So, okay, I feel like I've been very, this is my motivational mindset talk right now, but (laughs) I'm kind of giving it to my, trying to give it to myself, but I'm also really inspired by people this week. I'm inspired by Jeff doing his 24 hour marathon writing session. I'm inspired by other things I'm seeing where people are meeting their goals. Chris Fox is is also working on a million word goal and his word counts are just are killing it in the, the Keystro Rimo word count tracker. We've got people are just killing it. And it's, it's awesome to see, you know, that really inspires me to have a good word count and then log into the spreadsheet to enter mine in and be like, Oh, somebody already beat me. 
<laughs> which is awesome. You know, I had my name was at the top of the list for you know part of yesterday, and then somebody else logged in and and beat me, which is great because that means they they made it happen, and so that's exciting. So, all right, let's talk about some goals for next week. Really, it's to maintain this streak. I am on a you know when I've been posting these live streams, I say that I'm working on a month long streak of four thousand words a day. It's a two month long streak, but like I said, I'm breaking things down. <laughs> so <laughs> to give myself some, some room. And, uh, the thing that I've really been struggling with is editing at the same time that I'm writing. And when I look at my income, like I have, I have a couple projects that I could edit and probably publish in the next couple months, but I've just not been making that happen. So I want to continue my writing streaks and I really want to find a way to sit down and do some editing while, you know, on these other projects so I can get them in a state where they could potentially be published as tie-in novels to the other series that I'm working on. Because I always, I want to give readers someplace to go, you know, as soon as possible when they're done with the, the series that I'm working on. And then I also want to relook some of my social media stuff. Uh, my friend Lisa Richmond and Amy Duboff have been doing some, some good research on Instagram. And we had a talk about that today. And I, I want to, I really don't use Instagram and I barely use Facebook. I don't do a good job at my, with my Facebook page. So, and the thing is people are finding it and seeking it out. In fact, I had a reader was messaging me through my Facebook page and I got the alert on Facebook and it was such a headache to keep switching over to the Facebook page to answer back and forth but I realized a part of that was just because I'm not used to doing it. And so fortunately I haven't been missing a lot of messages. I, but it was just, it just made me realize how I've let that page gather dust. <laughs> I think the last book that I put on there was galactic law. So like this time last year. So I, I need to put some thought into that and update it. So, so basically the, the big rock is maintaining the word counts and pushing forward and then working on some editing because I know that I can, if, I have the the power to bring my my author income up. I just need to make make that happen. So that's a big focus. And then the social media stuff. So, all right. Thank you very much for listening. I hope this has been uh, somewhat interesting. <laughs> and I'd be very interested to hear what other folks' big rocks are and what are your big, hairy, audacious goals as you look at this year, you know, and how are you going to break those down to uh, to get it done? So... All right. Thanks very much for listening. And uh, I'll talk to you next week. Later. Mm-hmm.